You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Grab your seats, everybody. Touch somebody beside you and tell that person God will speak to you today. Again, tell that person, you're made for bigger things. And then tell that other person, you're, 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 you're just bigger. I'm, I'm, I'm getting bigger, you know. I noticed that when I turned 50, I'm, I'm here bigger in the middle. When I watched Superman as a kid, Superman was my favorite, favorite superhero. I watched Superman... Uh, by the actor George Reeves. And how many of you watched him when you were a kid? Raise your hand. Okay, very, very few. Um, I, I just want to clarify this, that this guy was Superman in the 1950s. And I didn't watch when it was new. I watched when it was reruns. Just to clarify, okay? I watched it in the 1970s, and there were reruns. Uh, can I say that again because I need to emphasize that? I remember watching the episodes, and it was so funny, really, because he, he was soup flying in every episode, but it was so fake. It was like he was flying, but you, you know the actor was lying down on a table. And there was an electric fan, like, like, you know, pushing the cape, you know, to flutter. But then, but then, you know, at that time, that was the best that they could. And, and, and people's minds were blown away already by that. Anyway, in the 19, I don't know if it was 1990s or 2000, Christopher Reeve took, took on the, the red and blue costume for movies. How many of you watched that one? Okay, wonderful. Nobody wants to raise their hands anymore. They're just <laughs> divulging your age here. And then the third version of Superman was on the, was on the small box and TV, Lewis and Clark, Dean Kane. Raise your hand if you watched some of those episodes. And, and, but this time, this was more, more, more focused on the love story. It's like, of course, he, he was still a Superman, you know, you can't change that. But it was focused on the love triangle between Superman, Lewis Lane, and Clark Kent. Really, you're like there were two persons, but no, there are three, and but there are actually two. And anyway, and then the fourth one was Smallville. Are, are, how many of you? Tom Welling was the was the actor. Some of you watched that, okay? And and then finally Henry Cavill. Raise your hand. The 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 the, the most present current Superman. Now I want you to understand why why am I talking about Superman and all these. Five versions of Superman. I'll tell you. Ask me why. Big why. why? Because I'm going to use it as a crude analogy. Everybody say crude. crude. A crude analogy of the four Gospels. You know, someone asked me a question. Someone very new. Somebody who's, you know, just, just had his conversion experience. Is, 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 is getting into Jesus and following Him. He, he asked me this question. Brother Bo, why are there four Gospels? Why didn't they just summarize it to one? I mean, why, why four? And, and I noticed that there's some differences here and there. And my crude analogy is this. 
We only have one story of Superman, only one. Planet Krypton, before it exploded, Jor-El sends, you know, I know this, I know this script, okay? Sends his little baby in a spaceship, you know, to planet Earth. I mean, there's only one Superman story, but there are five versions, at least in my lifetime. And why? Well, there's one different director, there's a different script writer, there's a different audience, different time zone, different era, different things, themes, etc. And, and in the same way, there are four Gospels because there are four Gospel writers focusing on different audiences and they've got different issues to address. Now, think with me. I, I want you to understand this. Uh, it's, I said crude. Everybody say crude. A crude analogy. Ask me why. Because the big difference is that the four Gospels have one Holy Spirit that inspired each and every one of them. One Holy Spirit to inspire Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it is the same Holy Spirit that is in you when you read the gospel. Before you read the Bible, I pray that you, that you just go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. You're the one who wrote these words. You inspire these words. Inspire me now. So that's why I say crude. But, but really, when you look at the four gospels, you see differences. I'll give you some examples. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus cleansed the temple. You, you know that he, he turned upside down the tables and drove out the sellers. You know that scene? That, that, that was at the end of the public ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in John, it was at the beginning of the public ministry. And then there are stories in the Gospels where you find it in all four Gospels. The multiplication of the loaves is one example. But then there are stories that are only found in one Gospel, but not in the other three. How come? Well, let me tell you the answer. The big answer, and I'll give you three, three small answers. Here's the big answer. The gospel writers, everybody say I'm listening. The gospel writers were not journalists. They were theologians. The gospel is not a biography of Jesus. It is a theology of Jesus. Do you understand that? So when I say that, they, they had a message and so they would sequence the, the events and they would write it in that particular way and they would include this teaching because of different things. Let me give you my three small answers. First, who is writing makes a difference. Who is writing? Luke, for example, was a doctor. And he, was, he, he researched it very well. And he would write in very sophisticated Greek. Matthew was a tax collector. And if you notice in the Gospel of Matthew, he would speak about money more than the other three Gospels. Mark was a young man, and he wrote with very simple Greek. Oh, John. John, most probably scholars say, wrote something, and then his disciples gathered his teachings and put them together. Who is writing makes a difference. you understand? My dear friend, you have a gospel to preach. Your life, your story. You have a story to tell the world. And God will use you, your uniqueness, your personality, your idiosyncrasies, your history. Do not compare yourself with other people and say, why, why are they better than me? I can't, I can't serve God. I, can't, I, I, I love the story of, of Audie. Beautiful, beautiful story of what his wife did and what they did. You know, you have a story, a unique gift that only you can give the world. 
And you cannot compare yourself with, a, why do they have gifts? that I remember when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, I would be so frustrated that I cannot speak and preach in Tagalog. You know, I, I, I wanted to reach out to street kids. I want to reach out to people who are more comfortable with Tagalog. I could not. And I was so, so frustrated until God spoke to my heart. And God said, because that's not my call for you. I call you to do something else. My message to you is this. Do not compare yourself with anyone else. You are magnificent as you are. And you've got to own it. You've got to own your history. You've got to own the way your background. You've got to own how God pieced you together because He has a mission for your life. Touch your neighbor. Tell that person, you're magnificent as you are. Really? Here's number two. When they were writing makes a difference. Mark, the earliest gospel, was written 50 A.D., to 55 AD to about 70. Mark, Matthew, and Luke was written um, 70 to 85 AD. And then John was written 90 to 110 AD. So think about it. There are differences in when they were writing. Mark was the one who wrote first. Matthew and Luke followed. They copied from Mark. And they copied from another source that because they have both stories. Matthew and Luke have stories that are not found in Mark, but are found in another probably common source. And, and so they were copying from each other. John came later, later on, did not feel the need to copy from those guys. Ask me why? Because those three Gospels, you call them synoptic Gospels. Sin for same, optic eye. Synoptic means they, they're the same perspective. And, and did, did Audie warn you that it's going to be more cerebral this next few talks? Did he warn you that you cannot anymore donate your brain as slightly used? No more, okay? We're going we're gonna to go cerebral here. Think with me. The, you, you've got to hold on. Tell somebody inside you. Hold on. Hold on. So, so John did not feel the need to copy from the synoptic gospels. Ask me why. Because during that time, it was already circulated well. The Christian communities already had those copies. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they were reading it already. John wrote at, the, at, at a later part, 90 AD, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to dig deep into my memory, and I'm going to share you stories and sayings and different, it's, it's powerful. And also because he was facing something else, issues that were not present during the time of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what happened was that they were facing persecution. And so those three Gospels were encouragement and comfort to Christians who were being persecuted. John was also experiencing persecution, but there was another current issue. There were heretics. There were people who, for example, did not believe that Jesus was both God and man. They, they thought, oh, he's just God, not man. So John was saying, no, no, no. And he wrote the gospel to address that. No, Jesus is both God and man. When they were writing is very important. In the same way, have you ever wondered why you're born in this world right now, today? Why weren't you born 100 years ago during the time of Jose Rizal? Why weren't you born when Lapu-Lapu killed Magellan 500 years ago? Why now? You know why? God has a purpose 
for your life today. God wants you to do something today. Elbow somebody and tell that person you have a mission today. That's why you were born today. Third answer, who they were, who they were writing to makes a difference. Mark was writing to Gentiles. When I say Gentiles, that means non-Jews. You got that? Okay. Mark was writing to Gentiles. Luke was writing also to Gentiles, but more the educated class. John was writing to Gentiles and Jews, but mostly Gentiles. Matthew was writing to Jews. So it was very different. He, he was writing to new, new converts, Jews who decided to follow Jesus, but they were asking the question, how can I marry my old faith with my new faith? And Matthew had to answer that. And, and what he did was he quoted lots of verses from the Old Testament. If you notice, Matthew quotes so much of the Old Testament because his audience were Jews and they understood the Old Testament. Now Jews did not care about the Old Testament. So you notice that Mark and Luke and John, they, they didn't do that so much. They did, but not as much as Matthew. You understand that? Your audience makes a difference. I'm going to ask you this question. Who's your audience? Hold someone's hand. Tell that person, ask that person, who is your audience? You, God is sending you to serve a core audience. And you've got to know what your audience is. You've got to know where God is sending you to. It is so crucial to know that. Who are the people that He wants you to serve? You've got to know that. And understand that, you know, the, the other thing I, I, I want to talk about is what, how, how did the Gospels become part of the Bible? Think with me. Jesus died 33 A.D. The first Gospel, Gospel of Mark, came out about 55 A.D. So there's this gap, 20-year, 30-year gap, when there was no written Gospel yet. What were the Christians doing when there was no written gospel? And why was there no written gospel during that time? Ask me why. This is what they were doing. If you met someone wonderful, and that someone changed your life forever, what would you be doing? You would be telling stories. Yes or no? You would be telling, so you would be talking about this Jesus who changed my life forever. And they did not see the need to write the stories because they were living in the story. Peter was still there right beside them. John, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, they were still there. You know, they, you could just go to Peter and say, Peter, Peter, what happened again to that multiplication of the loaves? Can you tell us again? Oh, this is what happened. You know, there were 5,000 men and not counting women and children. And then Jesus had this bread and he had two bread. They were there. Oh, John, 
what, what did Jesus do? Like you, you said one day you went up this mountain and then all of a sudden he exploded in brilliant light. Did that happen? And John would say, yes, I was with Peter and with John, uh, with, with James, my brother. And we went at Mount Tabor and that was there when Jesus had the transfiguration. They were there. And then all of a sudden they got into prison. Where's Peter? He's in prison. What? He's in prison? Yeah, after a while. What happened to Peter? He, he got crucified, but inverted. Where's John? Oh, John went to Ephesus. Ephesus! My gosh, can you email him? Tell him to tell us stories. You know, th there were no emails yet. Okay, well, what's going to happen? So they said, we might need to write stories. We, 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 we tell these stories, but the, the apostles, they're dying, and we, we need to write them down. Not only that, but there were some false claims that came out about Jesus. There were some guys who said, you know what? I heard this story that when Jesus was seven years old, he was fighting with a playmate. And, and what Jesus did was he fried the brains of his playmate. <laughs> and, and people said, what? Are you sure? Yeah, I, I, that's what I heard from someone. Oh, but, but that, that doesn't sound like Jesus, you know? And then there were, there were other people who were claiming to be Jesus. I'm Jesus. 2.0. The better version, you know? And, and they said, no, we, 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 don't, we don't think you're... Just. So they said, we better write. We better write this, the, the authentic stories. And so that's what stage two happened. They started writing the stories of Jesus. Mark was the first one to say, okay, I, I need to write. I need to write what I heard. And, and, then, and, then, so, and then Matthew and Luke and then John. Now, now stage, three is, stage three is the need to canonize. To canonize because... You know, there, these were not only the four Gospels that were circulating. No, there were many other Gospels that were circulating during that time. Uh, the Gospel of Truth, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. They were, they were circulating. And it, they needed to say, are all these true? Some of them are not true. And it was Irenaeus in the year 180 AD who decided, I think we need an official list. We need an official list. And it was true that during that time, the most accepted Gospels were already Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the year 400 plus AD, 200 years after Irenaeus said that, there was a Council of Carthage, and the Catholic Church made a decision and say, these are the four Gospels included in the Bible. These are the 27 books included in the New Testament. Official list, canon, canon means list. Okay? This is, we're canonizing it. This is it. Okay? The others... Maybe inspiring, the others are apocryphal, these, these are deuterocanonical, meaning to say they're, they are you know, in addition to the main canon. But guys, 27, this is it, 27 books, this only. Guys, four Gospels only, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You look at the Gospels, and uh, there are differences. But you know what? When you look, can we all stand? I, I, want you to, I want you to stand as I read scripture for you. Because this is big. Can you touch somebody beside you and say, this is big? I'm going to talk about the core. Everybody say core. The core message of the gospel. The core message of the gospel. Now, now. I'm not saying the core message of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Next week, we're going we're to talk about Mark. And we're going to talk about the core message of Mark. The Sunday after that, we're going to talk about Matthew and 
we're, talk, we're going to talk about the core message of Matthew. The Sunday after that, the core message of Luke. After that, Sunday after that, core message of John. But today, 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 I'm going to talk about the core message of the gospel. What, what's it all about? You want to know? Are you sure you want to know? This is going to rock your world. Are you ready? The core message of the gospel is the kingdom. The kingdom. And I know you've got this glazed look on your face. Kingdom? Yeah, yeah, kingdom. I, I, I'll show it to you. Mark 1, 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. No kingdom, no gospel. Those two are bolted in. You, you can't separate them. In fact, in Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus was with his disciples, and the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? And Jesus said, this is how you pray. He was so serious about the kingdom. He said, this is how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The core message of the gospel is kingdom. But, but we have this glazed look in our eyes like, kingdom? Because are there still kingdoms today? Are there still kings today? Unless you play a, a deck of cards. I mean, there's, there's a queen in England, but that's about it. Like, king? Kingdom? But you see, that's the point. The, unless you get it, you won't get the gospel. The core message of the gospel is that you've got to follow the king of the kingdom. Now, now, now think with me that, that every part of your life should be building the kingdom. Yesterday, I gave a whole day seminar on building their wealth because it was an investment seminar, teaching people how to invest in the stock market. People build their wealth. And people go about building their family and building their marriage and building their future and building their career and building their health. And that's all fine. In fact, you need to be busy building this and building that because that's your responsibility. But there's a big but. Everybody say, but. but. If that's what your life is just all about, building your little kingdom, building your little empire, building your career and your profession and your business, building your dreams, all that is good, but it can't be just about that. You're called for bigger things. You're made for bigger things. You're designed to do bigger things. You're not just there to build your little kingdom or else you'll be so empty and you will not be fulfilled and you will not have true joy. You need to build the kingdom of the king. You need to follow the king. Everybody say, follow the king. Now, when you hear the word build the kingdom, the, automatically people think, okay, I'm going to resign from my job and be a nun. That's, that's what, what people think about building the kingdom. Can I say this? For some of you, you don't even have to change what you do to build the kingdom. For some of you, you just have to change why you do what you do. And, and, and maybe you're a sales lady selling soap. 
But I'm telling you now, if you decide to build the kingdom, you should sell that soap as an ambassador of the kingdom. And through your smile, and through your relationships, and through the way you talk, and through the way you deal with people, you're selling soap, but you're sharing the gospel by the way you live, by the way you talk, by the way you, by the way you relate to people. Maybe you're a teacher and you've decided to build a kingdom, guess what? You're not just a teacher. You are now raising a generation of kids that will follow Jesus, the king of the kingdom. And maybe you're, you're your husband, you're a wife, you're a spouse. Don't just call yourself, you know, oh, we're here. We, we just want to have a family and that's all we're going to do. But if you're serious about building the kingdom of God, let me tell you what you're doing. Husband, wife, you are building your marriage to the point that your marriage becomes a giant billboard that announces that God is alive. Why? When people see your marriage, they will scratch their head and, and they will say, look at those two people. They shouldn't be going along. They shouldn't be getting along. But somewhere, somehow, they're loving each other. My gosh, God is alive. Miracles happen. What you're doing now is building the kingdom of God if you make a decision to follow the king in every area of your life. Tell somebody beside you, follow the king. Follow the king. There are 482 feasts around the world. You know, I just came from London. And I met the feasts there. I didn't know. Basingstoke, London, they've been meeting for three years. The leader from Norway, Oslo, came, met me, shocked to realize they've been going on for three years. I've never met them, never seen them. But for three years, this bunch of volunteers decide, I'm going to, I'm made for bigger things. Yeah, I'm, I'm working here as a nurse. I'm work, working, but I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a kingdom. And, and they meet every week in their homes. And there's, a, there's a nurse in Abu Dhabi. She said, I'm made for bigger things. Yes, I'm a nurse here in Abu Dhabi, but I'm going to build a kingdom. Not only as a nurse who, who serves patients well and and, and lives the gospel, she decided once a week she'll visit a house and lead a feast for domestic helpers. Do you know what time that feast is? Ask me what time. Midnight. Because that's the only time the domestic helpers could gather to pray. And that's what she does every single week. There's, there's a feast going on in Tagig, in a drug rehab center. Every week, a bunch of volunteers go there and they lead a feast for, the, for these guys and, and gals. And they tell me that, you know, when they, when they start praying, when they start showing the video, the preaching, the guys are just weeping, sobbing. And it happens every week. It's crazy. There's, a, there's another feast in... Santa Rosa. Where? In jail. Again, volunteers from the Santa Rosa feast, from the big feast, they decided, we're going to change lives. 
We're going to build a kingdom. They go to the prison and they, every week they lead a feast. I want you to know they have no problems with attendance. No problems. Always full house. Complete attendance every week. And, and you see these guys, all guys just raising their hands in prayer. Prisoners. Their lives are changing because some people made a decision. I'm not going to build my little empire only. I'm not just going to live for myself. I've had it. Because God has given me God dreams and God capacities to fulfill those God dreams. You have God capacities in your soul. Do you know LeBron James? Probably the greatest basketball. You can debate on that, okay. I'll put one of the greatest athlete, basketball athletes today. Today. Maybe there are others who are greater than him before and, you know. But, but I'm just saying that one, one of the greatest athlete, basketball players today, LeBron James. What if he decides to play in the NBA, not National Basketball Association, but the Navotas Basketball Association and inter-barangay level. How would he feel? No doubt he will be MVP. Most bored player. Some people are so busy building their own dreams, building their own little world, their own little ambitions, with the God capacities that is in them, no wonder they feel empty. Because you are made for bigger things. You're made to build the kingdom of the king. I want you to raise your hand if you can and just give yourself to God and everybody just say, Father, I believe that I am made for bigger things. I thank you that you want to use me to be a giant billboard that when people will see my life, they will see your love. They will see your power. They will see your grace. They will see your generosity. They will see your embrace. And so here I am. I ask you, Father, I'm making a decision right now. I will build your kingdom with the God capacities that you have given to me. From this day forth, I will follow the King. I will follow the King. His name is Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.